Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Faith Plus X. You're joined by myself, Georgia and Linda. Hi everybody. We have a very special guest, but we will um, announce him in due course. But before this episode commences, we just sort of wanted to give you a little bit of a, for lack of a better word, a trigger warning. I'm sure you've seen it in the description um, in terms of what this episode will be talking about and what we will be discussing. But we are treating a very sensitive subject, um, a really touchy one. And we're very aware of the sensitivity of this topic, especially in the current social climate. We're still recording during COVID. And so we just, you know, we wanted to treat this topic with the honor that it deserves. And so for anyone who's listening, if this is not necessarily um, appropriate or apt time for you to listen to this episode, we just wanted to give you a heads up now, just so you can, you know, deal with it at a later point when you're more ready emotionally to do so. But for those of you who are able to engage with this topic, we encourage you to listen and share your thoughts via social media and all of that kind of stuff. So as I said, we do have a very special guest. Um, and this is because even though we've both unfortunately been exposed to the loss of, you know, loved ones in our lifetimes, we are still relatively young. And so our experiences with loss or with death specifically is relatively limited, I would say. And so we thought it would be appropriate to have on a really special guest who has a lot more wisdom, a lot more experience in dealing with the matter and who's also dealt with it from a really special viewpoint given that he is a pastor but I won't sort of lead in too much into what Linda has to say I'll leave it to Linda to introduce our special guest given that her relationship with him and I just wanted to add on to what Georgia said the funny thing is that we live in an age of a serious binary which we have seen where on one end it's almost like as a Christian you're not meant to feel or you're not meant to show your sense of loss and on the other end culture is saying you know feel whatever you want to feel so we know that there's some kind of godly in between and a balance and basically that's what we're going to unpack in this episode so without any further ado our guest today is pastor jeremy burrows of catalyst church it's actually my church where i'm a member um for over a year now and it's been an incredible experience pastor jeremy is husband to a real life superhero and wonder woman the one and only christina burrows and father to hannah judah and abby and spiritual father to many of us before you go ahead i just wanted to say i absolutely love already this intro and my future husband also needs to have that accolade you need to acknowledge <laughs> that marry me is one of your biggest accomplishments and i need you to introduce yourself if you're listening future hubby amen amen to that um and pastor jeremy also has a background as a psychologist and just listening to his messages over the past year, it's been inspirational. He's compassionate and he's seriously a man after God's own heart. And it's just exciting to have him here with us today. And actually, I need to give this. I was gonna I was gonna hold myself back, but as you guys know already, I always have to give a little bit of an anecdote and I'll keep this short. But literally the first time I met Pastor Jeremy, I was walking to church. I was a hot mess. I had just moved to the DC area and I was looking for a church. I was completely lost because I'm directionally challenged. And I'm thinking I'm going to miss any church by this point. And I bumped into somebody in the middle of like, 
it's a place called Bethesda Row. And he's like, what are you looking for? And I'm like, I'm looking for a church. I don't remember the name. And he's like, is it Catalyst? And I'm like, yes, I think that's the church. And we start walking and he's like slowly just asking me my name and, you know, getting to know me. And we go downstairs. He leads me to the door. I enter the church and I kind of, you know, settle in. It's incredible. And then I see in the beginning, somebody going up to the stage and being introduced as the pastor of the church. And I see, I'm like, wait a second. I know that guy. (laughs) Anyway, this was Pastor Jeremy. That compassionate nature was there from what I experienced. So just thank you so much for being with us today. And yeah, as Georgia mentioned, unpacking a very difficult topic. No, it's it's my honor, and uh, I think every man should introduce himself by their wife uh, if they are smart enough. And uh, no, it's uh, really excited to be here and honored to have a conversation around this topic. It's it's one, as you mentioned, Linda, the dynamic of our spirit and soul is one that I'm passionate about because I think there's a lot of misunderstanding, not just in our culture but also within the church, and I think it's led to a lot of struggle that I think is at times unnecessary. I think if we can have an understanding of how God has uniquely made us spirit, soul, and bodies. That's already good. (laughs) (laughs) And actually is a perfect sort of um, segue to our first question, which is a a more broad one. Um, But I think, yeah, something you said about the different parts of the human nature. um, And I think honoring that, and sometimes we're not necessarily so good at doing it in the church. So, yeah, I guess our first question then would be, how do we then, as the church, speak a bit more effectively about death and loss? And are there different ways or should there be different ways to address it when it's a believer passing or a non-believer and also when it's a believer mourning? I think the, the difference is coming to the fact that as Christians, we're called to love and love requires a certain level of sensitivity. And so I guess embedded in the question is this understanding that Christians have a certain expectation, perhaps, of where they should go or hopefully, <laughs> hopefully go in the afterlife. And sometimes we're not too sure about, you know, people who are not of faith, etc. So is there a distinction there? Should there be and how should Christians address it? Mm. Oh, that's a, that's a great question. I, I heard a, a couple of questions in there. I mean, I think in general with regards to grief and loss, I think it's important to acknowledge it as a normal part of life. Grieving and acknowledging loss and processing our emotions, um, you know, even in the midst of we've been in this pandemic. And I even think too, I'm not sure if if this conversation should say focused on the loss of life, but I, I think there's even an, a, a misunderstanding or a, a lack of understanding culturally about the importance of grieving the loss of anything, the loss of a relationship, the loss of uh, a job. But even if you change jobs or you change relationships willingly, uh, we're in this this pandemic right now. And uh, something I realized several months into the pandemic was that I had not properly grieved the loss of the quality of life I had pre-pandemic. And I realized that some of that unprocessed grief had manifested itself in stress and I realized through conversations with friends um, and even with my counselor, which I recommend everybody should have a counselor personally. Um, I may be biased being a former psychologist, but I think it's, you know, Jesus and therapy. It's a really great combination. But but for for I, I think we need to normalize grieving, we need to normalize loss. And I think sometimes in, in Christendom, we can over-spiritualize things that are not necessarily, they are are spiritual because everything is spiritual, 
but sometimes we need to recognize our soul and that our soul is different than our spirit. And I think allowing people to and leading people to properly grieve, to properly feel pain, to properly do things to uh, tend to your soul, uh, to feed your soul so they can properly grieve loss. Um, as a Christian, the, the difference is uh, we know that, 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 that this life is on our home. You know, I, I think if you look throughout through church history, I think one of the reasons, um, even if you look at early church persecution, the reason the church is able to thrive in difficulty is when we properly recognize this is not our home. Like this is a vapor, as James says, to not get too caught up in this. You know, as Paul said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And it can sound a little bit negative saying that, but I think it's just having a proper understanding that this isn't our home. So I, I think in regards to, to that, it's having that perspective while at the same time, I think we need to make sure that we, we properly care for our soul and allow ourselves to feel pain. I think we have a pain adverse culture and because of technology, we have more things accessible to us to numb our pain. Some people numb their pain with work, some people relationships, some people substances, some people just busyness. And I think that uh, I think we need to, as a culture, learn how to properly feel pain. Because right now in this pandemic, for example, I know in the United States, uh, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, all kinds of addictions are up right now because people are feeling pain and they are not properly processing their pain. So your, your natural response is to numb. And uh, a lot of times you're whatever, you know, you're numbing your pain with, it's actually trying to protect you. But, but it's an unhealthy way. So anyways, I don't want to get into a rabbit trail, but, but, I, but I think that I think what's important is, I think, to just acknowledge that loss and grief are a normal part of life. And it's important that we learn um, in the same ways we learn how to navigate the spirit. We learn prayer language. We learn the spiritual gifts. We need to learn how to tend to our soul and, and nurture our soul. Wow. I think you could just drop the mic then. But we're excited. You've gotten us even, even more excited to dig deeper. There's a lot that you just hit on there. Very important points. But it did speak to a balance because you mentioned that as Christians, we need to understand that this life is but a vapor, but also to tend, as you said, to our soul and to our spirit and to acknowledge that we are here and that we do feel pain and we need to find healthy ways mm. to handle that. And I guess it's a perfect actually segue to the next question. And one thing I thought about um, before this question is this balance? And I think of Jesus in the story of Lazarus, you know, and the resurrection of Lazarus and how, you know, people talk about one of the shortest verses in the Bible. It's where it says that Jesus wept. And I find it so profound and I still haven't, you know, dug deep enough, I think, to understand this. But Jesus wept, yet he understood mm. as being fully man and fully God. He wept as a human, but being fully God knew that he had resurrection power and that there was going to be a, the resurrection of Lazarus. And I find that just so profound that he showed us that it's okay to grieve, but still had that vision to say that, you know what, there is resurrection. So to that, in your own life, how has your faith shaped your understanding of loss? We often hear that there's no right way to grieve. And I think you've pointed to these questions, um, to, uh, to this quite a bit in your previous answer. But if we could dig deeper to say, 
is it biblical to even think that there's no right way to grieve? Is there a biblical way to mourn um, when we've experienced loss? Um, I mean, I think, again, grieving and mourning and lamenting are normal. As you referenced Jesus with Lazarus, you know, there's a book of the Bible called Lamentations. When I look at scripture, I, I tend to always try to think through the practical lens because one of my personal frustrations is sometimes when we can hear uh, a truth or, but not know what to do with it. So I think when it comes to practical ways to biblically mourn, I, I think number one is first and foremost is to respect and acknowledge the way that God has made us. So again, I'll put it this way. If you were to injure your knee and you went to the doctor to get it checked out, and maybe even you uh, had to get surgery, no one would say that by you doing that somehow you are responding in an unbiblical way or you're not respecting the faith. In the same way, when we injure our soul, and our soul can be injured by by grief, by loss, when our soul's injured, we need to tend to it. So I think, again, to go back to my previous answer, but I think when we learn to tend to our soul, so I think biblical ways to do that, I think one, acknowledging it and one, respecting the way that God made us, that we're not just a spirit, you know, First Thessalonians 5, but we're, we're a triune being, a spirit, soul, and body. Um, I think respecting the soul. And then I think, number one, I think processing pain first with the Lord. You know, the Holy Spirit is called our comforter and our counselor and allowing his spirit to comfort you. To go back to my previous point as well, if you do not allow God's spirit and God's people to comfort you, you will seek comfort somewhere. So, and then allowing God's people, you know, Galatians 6, 2 carry each other's burdens. Again, I think part of our cultural norm, at least here in the United States, I can speak for is I think that there's this, I have to have it all together. Like I can't show weakness. So for me to rely upon people is not a natural response, but I think one of the best things you can do when you've experienced loss of any kind is to reach out to your, to use a biblical terminology, your brother or sister in the faith to allow them to help carry the burden that you're, you're experiencing. I don't know if that answered your question at all, but. Oh yes. No, it did. I'm just like, I feel like my mind is just doing like rounds of laps of like taking it all in. <laughs> and it's not easy. Cause sometimes we look for like an easy out almost like, is this, is there, is God or Christianity, this magic pill almost that, you know, if I love Jesus, then I'm not going to feel pain. If mm. I love Jesus, then, but mm. I guess we always have to go back to that reality where Jesus said that in this world, you will see trouble, mm. but then taking heart. And as you're saying, those mm. practical tools of being connected, of being part of a community, because sometimes mm. we hear these words so many times and it can sound like buzzwords, yeah. but they're buzzwords and cliches for a reason because it works mm. so just going um going back to that so thank you for bringing that into perspective yeah and, and can, I, can i say one one other thing too you know i had a good example of that this week actually there was a a friend of mine a brother in the faith and he's on the verge of experiencing loss of a loved one and he reached out to me which i highly commended him for and part of the conversation i had with him was actually him just weeping and again, I think that's very God honoring is to just weep yes. and, and with someone else, um, because here's the powerful thing. When you can be vulnerable enough with someone else to weep, 
And then the other person is there offering unconditional support and love. It actually gives you a taste of God because that's the beauty of the body of Christ. If you even wow. think ecclesiologically, we are the body of Christ. So, you know, we, we throw that term around a lot like, oh, we're the body of Christ, we're the body of Christ. But if you think about it, there's different ways the body manifests. And one of the ways that we are the body of Christ, like literally the ministry of presence, it's almost like being the arms of Christ to hug you. You know, when we really start to unpack it, like what does it mean to be the body of Christ? It's so many different ways. It means uh, serving the marginalized, but it also means just being present with your brother or your sister and allowing them to weep and to hurt and to mourn. And your presence alone is like the embrace of the Father. And those are ways that we can ourselves embrace the body of Christ. But then number two, we ourselves can be the body of Christ to others. Wow. This ministry of presence. I love that. In African cultures and in a lot of different countries in Africa, I remember as a kid, this kind of like confused me. But when somebody passes away, it it is the community's role to go over there and the house will be packed and people will stay almost a week taking shifts and everything mm. crying, like literally mm. crying with the person. Mm. Um, and I remember as a kid, I even remember like just the sounds of people crying, I guess, when somebody, a neighbor or somebody had lost somebody in their family. And I was like, mm. what is that? But then just, you know, and I still don't fully understand it because I guess I'm of a different generation that was kind of detached from that, but mm. they still do it, especially in um, more rural communities. But there's a, mm. and now from what you've explained, there's a power to that. There's a power mm. to having the community weep literally mm. with you and be with you, walking with you through that. So that mm. just, now I understand why we do it. Mm. And and I think on that as well, in the because similar, I'm, I'm from a Ghanaian background. And for us as well, I think the community element also comes in in terms of the practical days to day to day. So after you've lost mm. someone, I think sometimes even just getting up, making a meal for yourself can seem like the most tedious of tasks. Mm. And so having community around you also means that, you know, I, as Pastor Jeremy has put it so well, like we can't overly spiritualize things. I'm mourning. I'll still need to eat. <laughs> you know, I'll mm. still need to do some very practical things. I might have kids mm. that might need to be dropped off um, at mm. school. And that's where the community element comes in as well. So absolutely. Mm. Oh, so such good stuff. Um, <laughs> and I know that I'm literally making notes, both for questions, but also for myself. And another thing that I picked up on, Linda, when you were speaking was this idea of prayer. And to kind of paraphrase what you said, you basically cannot pray away your pain. You can pray through your pain, but you cannot pray it away. And I think that is that is powerful. I think sometimes people people just hearing that, it kind of validates that just because I've prayed to God about this pain doesn't mean that, you know, as you say, like a magician, I click my finger and it's gone away. But I think it also relieves people from that pressure of that feeling that maybe I'm not praying well enough. Maybe I'm, I don't know, I'm not praying the way I'm supposed to be praying. That's why this pain is still there. Mm. And it's like, no, it's because he created mm. us as humans and there is some purpose even within that. Um, mm. So yeah, both of you speaking has been, oof, oof, mm. so good. <laughs> and actually, again, almost by divine orchestration, <laughs> it leads really well into um, our next question, which was all about community and how to 
walk with people through a process of grief. And mm. you mentioned it, Pastor Jeremy, in terms of presence, the mere presence, there is ministry in that. Um, but I wondered if there were any other ways, any other practical ways that we can support people, maybe through your own experiences, you know, um, both as a pastor mm. or as a friend, a relative. How have you practically supported people who are going through difficult times? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, I think that we've kind of hit a couple of them. I think the ministry of presence is big. Like here, here's what I've even noticed through the pandemic. Never underestimate the power of a check-in with people. There's been so many times, even for myself, I've had close friends of mine just text me and say, hey, how are you doing? Um, is, is really powerful. Um, even Even months down the road. And again, I think right now, culturally, the unique time that we're in, everybody's experiencing loss. Like we've all lost something. You either know of somebody you've, who've maybe died of the virus. You, you minimally have lost some of the quality of your life because of, you know, social distancing and masks and unable to see certain people and um, not seeing certain loved ones and friends in this season. So I, I think never understood the power of a check-in. I think also, and again, this might sound cliche, um, but just prayer. I think sometimes if we're not careful as well as, as, um, as followers of Christ, we can get so busy doing, we can miss the power of, of prayer. You know, I, I heard, you know, when the disciples, they didn't ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, teach us how to prophesy. They didn't ask Jesus, teach us how to preach. They didn't ask him, teach us how to heal. They said, teach us to pray. I think prayer for people. Um, I think prayer for our world right now. You know, I think I never underestimate the power of prayer for people and being a, a support for people in this season and offering prayer for people. And then I think, like you said, sometimes just bringing a meal, you know, to someone, especially if they've experienced the loss of a loved one, um, offering to bring a meal, offering to to clean a house, offering to uh, care for their kids if they have kids. Uh, those kind of things I think can go a long way. And again, I think it fulfills Galatians six two to carry each other's burdens, as Paul said. And so doing, you fulfill the law of Christ. Yeah, this is. It's definitely not an easy topic because I feel like as we're listening to you, I'm also building, as Georgia said, you know, our experience of this. Well, 2020 has been interesting, of course, but our experience of this has been quite mm. limited in our lifetime. So this is just a time where I guess we're getting equipped mm. to, to handle loss and to support friends. And I really like the story you shared about your friend, because I think one of the most important um, moments for me and a friend of mine recently was exactly that. We weren't that close then, but I remember... At one moment, I was trying to dance around the what she had been going through. I didn't want to because I I was I was being awkward basically. I like didn't know if I should mention you know how is this going because they had been experiencing something significant. Mm. I remember when I just sort of stopped and asked, "Are you okay?" And they had that moment to just cry, mm. and I was like, you know, inside you're kind of freaking out. But then I really mm. do think it was the Holy Spirit it was just like, no, just. Um, I was like, do I hug them? Do I not hug them? Do people, mm -hmm. you know, it was a whole, like a minute <laughs> of just panic, but then just holding them and allowing, it was pre COVID guys, mm. if you're listening. <laughs> so I was, I was hugging. Yes. It was, I was hugging them, 
And that really just even made us closer, Mm -hmm. as as you said, uh, as sisters Mm -hmm. in Christ. So it was just a powerful moment. And I love that you earlier that you said that it's a taste of Mm. of who God is when we do that. Mm. Um, So now we're going to switch gears just a little bit and turn up the heat just a little bit because we cannot talk about dealing with loss and, you know, just the Christian community, the global sea church without Mm. tackling something like this. So recently there was a huge controversy that took place and it's very, it was public. Everyone does know about it. So Bethel church, one of their worship team leaders lost her little girl. And when this happened, the church fasted and Mm. on social media called upon the world to pray for the little girl's um, resurrection. Mm. Many supported it. Um, you know, commenting support prayers, it was shared all over social media, while others criticized them. The criticisms came in many forms, such as, you know, this is blasphemy, or Mm. not even that, like, do you just do it for your quote, unquote, important members? How about other people who've Mm. lost um, loved ones, because they have a huge following and church community? And our basic question to that is not to get into the nitty gritty, but to the theology of this all. Can we still believe that people can be resurrected? Um, And this is to you, Pastor Jeremy, before the second coming of Christ. Hmm. You know, I mean, there's different perspectives on that. Mine is uh, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are as just as alive today as they were in the days of Christ. So, and the very fact in the nature, our God is a God who resurrects. So can God resurrect the dead from, uh, resurrect the dead to life on earth? Uh, absolutely. I, I believe he can. In fact, there have been documented times where that's happened throughout the course of history. I, I think, let me say this. I think sometimes where the controversy comes into play is where I think that there's aspects of God that will always remain a mystery. Why does God heal some and not others? Why does God resurrect one person from the dead and not others? Why does God, uh, you know, you can just name whatever, fill in the blank, answer this prayer, but not others. And I think at the end of the day, I think a couple of problems arise sometimes is at the end of the day, we have to acknowledge that God's ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And again, I'm just speaking more of a, a Western American culture. I think we, idol, we idolize reason in uh, Western culture. We elevate it. We love our degrees and our programs. We love to know and to understand. And um, it, it, it was an idol that I had to dethrone in my life because I, I love to learn. I love to know. I love to understand. I love to figure it out. But God is not someone to figure out. God is not someone to understand. God is someone to trust. I often equate it with my with my kids. My kids so often they don't fully under Judah may not fully understand why he cannot eat cake for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then dessert. Um, <laughs> I still don't understand why. I can't. Me, personally, me personally, I agree with Judah. Hashtag I stand with Judah. <laughs> um, you know, so it's like he can't fathom, like I can start to explain to him nutrition and why we have to eat like broccoli and why we should eat berries and all, but he can't, he doesn't get it. Like, 
And I think not to devalue us, but we are, we are God's children. We can't fathom nor understand. Like he knows the end from the beginning. Like what makes us think somehow, like, I think sometimes there, there's a lot of pride in American Christians uh, and Christians in general, because we think we can try to understand God. And we try to, we try to, we try to explain God. And, and there's always going to be a degree that's a mystery. Uh, I'll say it's one of the things I, I believe God does resurrect. I believe God does heal. Why doesn't he heal anybody, everybody? I don't know. Uh, my father died when I was 16 years old to cancer. But I view it as he received the ultimate healing that he's now in heaven with Jesus. But then the second part of that is, I think sometimes, you know, unfortunately in Christendom as well, we can get infatuated with the, with the miracles, with the healings, with the signs and wonders. You know, what did Jesus say with his disciples? And they came back and they're like, hey, Jesus, even demons flee in your name. This is amazing. And he's like, don't rejoice that demons flee in your name. Rejoice your name is written in the Lamb Book of Life. And I think at the end of the day, we don't put our faith in God's provision. We don't, we don't put our faith in his power. We put our faith in him. And he never changes. Um, so even though there are other things that might change, he, he never changes. Yeah, on that, I love the idea of the mystery. Me and Georgia actually were having a conversation recently where we're talking about how it's one of the frustrations is when you think that you've arrived mm. as a Christian. You know, I've read the Bible, <clears throat> I've, you know, I've sought the Lord and I've, you know, you've experienced these mountaintop moments where mm. you, and then you have to be humbled again by God, or you have to choose to be humbled. And you realize in those moments, as you said, Pastor Jeremy, that his ways are higher, that there's never an arrival point on this side of eternity. Um, And coming to terms with that is a process that I think God puts us through over and over again, because we're human and we always get that sense of pride. Again, as Christians, you really hit... um, is it the hammer on the nail? I forget these sayings. Nail on the head. Nail on the head. Yes, nail on the head. Oops. Oops. Um, what you but meant. Everybody, you know what I meant. You know what I meant. Um, English came on a foreign boat. So, yeah. um, <laughs> um, so, but sometimes we do get infatuated with the feeling, with the miracles, mm-hmm. and everything that you said is just so on point and a great reminder for us all that don't get infatuated. And that's one of my favorite verses. Mm-hmm. And it was only a while when I actually read the second half of it that, mm-hmm. you know, because I used to be excited, like, yes, I have authority. Yes, demons mm-hmm. flee. You know, I can stamp, you know, mm-hmm. um, scorpions and all this stuff. Like, I was so excited. And then this, the fact that Jesus said, no, that's, you know, that's not even the the great part of this. You know, mm. let me tell you the better mm. part of this, that your name is written, you know, and I just, I think that's just so profound. That's another one of those things that we just need to constantly come mm. to heads with. And it, it makes us, it brings me back to that place of awe with God mm. and that his ways are higher. So thank that's you for good. that. Yeah. Can I, can I say one quick thing? Um, yes. I think too, you know, as we look at that scripture, what Jesus said, and I even think too, if we're not careful, even in Christianity, um, you've mentioned worship music. We always have to be mindful that there's, there's always this slow drift in our lives towards self-centeredness. And again, like here we see disciples coming back and they're like, man, look what happened. 
look what happened through us. And Jesus is saying, let's remember it's about what, what, what I am going to do for you. It's, it's about ultimately God. And I think, I think something to always check ourselves in our lives of Christendom is at the end of the day, um, I, and you've heard this, me say this before, Linda, I think it's so important to always start our day with gratitude, thanking God for what he's done. But I think always thanking God for who he is, because if we say, if we stay focused on who he is, that never changes. Like it never changes who God is. He is good. And what he does is good. But I think if we rest our faith upon what he does, it's, it's an unstable ground because our definition of good is limited. His definition of good is perfect. Our definition of blessing is limited. His definition of blessing is perfect. So I think a lot of times the reason we have a lot of Christians who have an unshaky ground is because we actually are lacking with a whole, we're lacking a holy reverence of who God is and a fear of God. We have actually made ourselves God and he's here to, he's here to serve me. Like God, here's my request. Serve me. Like he's, he's not a, a short order cook. Like we're not just saying, God, here's what I want. It's like, no, like he's holy. We, we reverence him. He's Lord. He's savior. He's the King of Kings. He's the Alpha and the Omega. We need to get back to like, I think a, a, f- a fear of God where it's like you, if you do nothing else for me, God, if I die tomorrow from COVID, if I, if I get incredibly impoverished, if it's like, like Job, if, if you take my entire family, you're still God. Like I'm, I'm still going to trust you. And I, I think that we as Christians, we need to get back to that. And I think that kind of faith and trust in God is the seed of revival that we all want. But if we're not careful, we fall into self-centered Christianity where it's like, God, here are my requests. And then we get frustrated and we're like, God, I ordered filet mignon and you got me like some chuck. What in the world is this? <laughs> like, God, I, I wanted this job and you gave me this. And God's like, son, daughter, you don't get it. Like, you know, so I'm sorry. It's a passion point of mine. And I don't mean to get off on a tangent, but I think we just got to get back to the end of the day. Like he is Lord and and we are we are his beloved children. But I don't say this in a demeaning way, but we are incredibly ignorant yep. of the ways of God. We don't understand. So, you know, I think when it comes back to that point of of the healing and I think sometimes in Christendom, we can get really caught up in what God does. Um, and then what happens is when he doesn't, when he doesn't do according to what we expect him to, it messes with our faith. If that's our foundation and our foundation is not Christ crucified and resurrected. So, yeah, Man. sorry. No, please. Pastor <laughs> he just apologize. Took, <laughs> he just took us to church, y'all. I was going to put one little sprinkle before I pass it on to Georgia. Is that you said something so important when we're seeking that healing? Because there's mm. a balance there. We are allowed to believe that God, He is, mm. you know, Jesus is the resurrection and that God can resurrect, but we can't focus mm. on that. And in this case of mm. Bethel, I think me as a viewer and as somebody who Mm. does follow the worship team leader um, Mm. on social media and whatnot and love her teachings when she teaches about worship, just an amazing woman. Mm. You know, at this point, I think I had held my breath of what's, what's going to happen after this, you know, it didn't take place, you know, so I was Mm. like following very intentionally and found that she still worships 
some of yeah. her most beautiful times of worship where virtually she's led people during this mm. covid time has been after that happened mm. and that even raised my faith and my mm. trust in god seeing that you know she mm. believed but it reminds me of even the book of daniel where they said that you know what our god can save mm. us from this fiery furnace but even if he doesn't we will not bow down mm. and it just really it raised my faith as a person mm. following somebody who went through that but still chose that lord i don't understand but i'm still going to mm. praise you so that, good yeah again at the time i i didn't really know where i stood you know in terms of the theology of it all but what i kept on seeing and what i really admired was that we have faith enough to believe that god can do it but in all mm. things we give god glory and it was centered around this idea of the glory of god and as you said, even though it didn't happen the way they planned, and I, I prayed that prayer. I didn't know where I stood, but I was like, if I can join in, <laughs> if, mm. if my prayer can do anything, I'm going to say mm. that prayer for that little girl, you know? And yeah, what, what also struck me though was that I, in, in my lifetime anyway, I had never seen the mobilization of the church like mm. this on, on such a platform anyway. And that in itself to me is such you know, I, I I don't know how to put this because I'm also I also want to be sensitive to the fact that mm. you know we did lose someone, but I guess what I'm trying to say is that I also saw I also saw something special. I saw the church coming together in ways that I hadn't done before. Mm. I saw us use social media in ways that we hadn't done before. I'm all the way in England, which you know it's not that far, but <laughs> I saw prayers, I saw comments, you know, in in under the Instagram post from people from South Africa, you know, from Christians mm. all over the world coming together for this common purpose and I was like man like this is powerful and mm. if nothing else God has mobilized the church in a way that I I hadn't seen in my lifetime and so for that we give God glory and as you say the the mom the the mother is still given is still praising God and I think again the fact that people were exposed to her story and can still see her give praise to God says something um, mm. And it points to, again, the glory of God, which is ultimately what it's all about. And then the other person that came to mind um, was Nabil Qureshi. I'm, I'm sure I'm saying his name wrong, but he's from the um, Rabbi Zacharias ministry. And unfortunately, I think a year or two ago, so or maybe earlier this year, he passed from cancer. And I, I, I'd followed him for a long time because he's um, into apologetics. And that's that's my bag. I love Is he the one who wrote um, Searching for Allah, Finding Jesus? Yes. That's him. Yeah. That's him. Yeah. That's him. Very powerful guy. Very. Um, I think as, as Pastor Jeremy has uh, slightly convicted me, you know, this idea of knowledge and, <laughs> and <laughs> wanting to explain it all. But I, I do think there's there is a space for it, at least in our in our generation, hmm. um, where people just don't take things at face value. So there is some value in apologetics. So you know, he he served a long time um, explaining about faith and and giving his reasons hmm. for it. Um, and unfortunately, he passed from cancer and it was progressive. So he was very aware of, you know, what was about to happen, etc. And again, his words were some of mm. the most powerful that I've heard and that will stay with me for a very long time because it was very much that Daniel, exactly that prayer in terms of, God, I want you to heal me. You know, I have a family here. Mm. I have a ministry. I have people who love and who I love and who love me. But even if you don't do it. Mm. And I, again, for me to see someone who are, who understands what it mm. means, you know, to be on a sick bed and to open your mouth or, or type mm. and say, even if you don't do it, I'll give you all the glory that has 
shaken up my faith in ways that they had mm. not before. Um, and so, as, as Pastor Jeremy says, in the glory of God, that's all that it comes mm. down to. And we know it's easier said than done. We're not, yeah, yeah. you know, we're, we're not taken away from the fact that, again, the very valuable souls, very valuable mm. lives were lost in terms of on this earth anyway. But it all comes down to the glory of God. Mm. one little thing and then i'll like this is this is but but small small but pastor jeremy preached once recently um over the summer i don't remember when but you and i don't remember the message but i do remember you mentioned this the writer of it is well with my soul yeah. Um, one of my favorite hymns of all time and Bethel did do like a new version of it called it is well it's amazing but the writer had gone through isn't it like some great loss of some sort he lost his daughters through like a yeah. shipwreck just before he wrote that song and that yeah. just hit me like a wave like realizing yeah. I did not know that backstory yeah he his um his wife and his um so he was in the U.S. And his wife and his four girls, little girls, were coming back on a boat from England. He got word, of course, days later that the boat had sunk and all of them had died. Um, and he actually got word and he wrote the song, It Is Well. He was going back to England to collect their remains. And on that boat, he wrote, It Is Well. Wow. So, yeah. And that song, guys, if you have not heard it, listen to it because it is it's timeless and it is powerful i would sing it for you now but it's still early still early (laughs) haven't warmed my voice yet (laughs) that that's on the special episode (laughs) (laughs) oh oh gosh yeah as i said we we could go on forever um we just have a few more and then we'll we'll release pastor jeremy (laughs) back to his other Um, but actually, as as you were speaking, the whole idea of staying kind of on theology and the whole idea of, ah, like Eureka moments, I figured it out. I kind of had that moment with this the next scripture I'm about to read. Um, and as you were speaking, as I said, I've been convicted to, okay, it's probably not the answer that I wanted or the you know final answer of figured it out. But it did give me some comfort. Um, and I just wondered what your take, you know, was on it as a pastor. So the mm-hmm. verse that I'm referencing is Isaiah chapter 57, verse verses one. Um, and it says, the righteous perish and no one takes it to heart. The devout are taken away and no one understands that the righteous are taken away to be spared from evil. And that was mm-hmm. the line that I think really gave me solace. Like it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, well, if I think about it like this, <laughs> then I can kind of be okay with it. So, and, and then verse two says, those who walk uprightly enter into peace, they find rest as they lie in mm. death. Um, and it really did give me a lot of comfort, but I just wondered what, what your take is on it in terms of the interpretation or what you take away from it. Mm. Well, contextually, when that scripture was written, it was actually in anticipation of uh, persecution of God's prophets. And in a way, the scripture was written um, and Isaiah was almost to bring comfort to to those who were mourning to say perhaps their persecution and their early departure from life is actually saving them from future evil. So contextually, it was um, in some ways it was written as a as a way to bring comfort to to hearts that were hurting. Um because of the persecution that they were seeing. Um, and I, and I think, you know, so I, I, th- I think, can there be, can there be truth to that? 
Yeah, but again, I think, again, I think the best way to interpret scripture is with scripture. And I think at the end of the day, our, um, our, our, his thoughts are higher than my, my thoughts. So, you know, someone's death, is it God preserving them from future evil? I don't know. And I, I don't know if we'll ever really know. That's that's good. I think first I love the honesty. First I, I have to say actually, by the way, throughout um just your conversation with us, I love men of God who acknowledge who we are as humans and that, and also as pastors. So I love when someone says I don't know because I think <laughs> to me no, honestly, it shows me that you've actually given it thought. Mm. <laughs> you know. And um, it's like and, and being PKs, both me and Georgia are, I think it's one of those things where First of all, PKs and academic lovers of academia, who we do like what we want as personalities is answers, right? We want to find the root of things. But I think we've both mm. been raised in places where it's been okay to say, I don't know. Mm. And sometimes it used to bug me as a kid when my dad said, no, we'll go read this. But sometimes you won't know. I'm like, what do mm. you mean you don't know? What do you mean? <laughs> you <know?" laughs> um, but I think it, there is so much power to being able to mm. say, I don't know. And that's always the beginning, even of great academic work. You start with not knowing. And one thing I did realize here as a student, and we're going to do a, a, an episode on faith and education one day mm. and academia. But one thing I did realize that there's a difference in American culture. I butt heads with a lot of people because I'm so comfortable. And I think I learned this being in the United Kingdom for my master's is just not knowing and being okay with that. But people mm. here aren't very comfortable with not knowing no. they want answers. And I'm like, it's okay not to understand this. And mm. people are afraid not to know it's mm. it's, I don't even know. We'll unpack this more later, but I have mm. realized that it's, it's a very big cultural element. Mm. And yeah, especially when it comes to God, I think the, as as Pastor Jeremy explained perfectly earlier, this is God we're talking about, mm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> like, and I I was I was having a, a conversation with a friend of mine who is an atheist actually, um, and he was asking me questions, and some of them I was like, oh well, I think, but others I was like, well, I I I don't know, and and he asked, you know, how can you be so comfortable with that? And I said to him, because if like I, I think I read this, someone has just stayed with me, but. The quote was, if we, if humans knew everything, or if we could answer those, if I understood God, if I, if my mind was God's mind, then I would be mm. God, you know, and I'm clearly not. So, so yeah, mm. just, just wanted to add That's that. That's so good. <laughs> you, know, you know, too, a real practical thought on that is um, so often with, you know, parenting three children, um, I feel like I've grown in my understanding of the father, of the heart of, of, of God. And there's all, even recently I was having, I forget what it was about with my seven-year-old who she's, you know, becoming, you know, her brain is developing more. Um, so she's having greater understanding and curiosity, but there's still a lot of, a lot of aspects of life. And I found myself telling her this, even recently I said this, um, she was asking me a question and, and the rea the reality, I knew that the, the explanation she would not be able to fully comprehend. And I said to her, I said, Hannah, I need you to trust your father, your dad. I love you. I want the best for you. And I need you to trust me. And I think at the end of the day, as the scripture says, what I do know is the Bible says God is good and what he does is good. And that's enough. 
and I mean, I understand fully things, but I can trust in his character. And, um, and I think at the end of the day, that's where it comes down to is, um, like you said, we can't fully comprehend God, but we can trust his character 100% of the time. So good. So good. You've mentioned character quite a few times throughout this. And that's a word, a key word that I think we all need to remember mm-hmm. in all of this is think of like character. Yes, the character of God to mm-hmm. hinge on that and also to build our own characters. I was going to get into another rabbit hole, but I'm not going to fall for <laughs> it. Just leading on to what, what we, we've talked about a few things, but I didn't want to end this podcast without discussing some of the major losses that mm. affected, you know, just major losses that affected us as a collective. And there are many in 2020. Mm. But for example, Georgia and I had a conversation which had inspired this episode is when, you know, one week we lose Chadwick mm. Boseman, our very own Black Panther. We were in the Almastis together when Black Panther was released. Mm. And it was such a cultural moment for the mm. African community, the Black community. Mm. And then two weeks later, or is it, I may be flipping these, like about a week later, mm. we re- lose Ruth Bader Ginsburg, mm. who is just an icon mm. for women, you know, and women's mm. rights. And then there's so many more we've lost. And then as individuals, we've lost people. Mm. And as you already mentioned throughout this podcast, Pastor Jeremy, we have experienced loss as a collective, not only people, Mm. but loss of life as we know it. Mm. I guess there's just, we've discussed all of this. And I think we would want to just ask you, are there in this moment of loss where where we are experiencing it now and we are still in the middle of whatever is going Mm. on when it comes to COVID-19 and we're all experiencing loss at a certain degree, as Pastor Jeremy mentioned. Pastor Jeremy, for your closing um, (laughs) comments, could you tell us if there are any foundational pillars or even questions, because we've already mm. discussed that it's okay not to know. We can just have the mm. right questions, which is more important than having answers. Would you suggest that you have for us and those dealing with loss? Mm. I, I think a question everyone needs to answer right now is how is your soul? Like, really? I think a large majority of the problems we see culturally are because people have unhealthy souls. So I, I think that um, to really kind of do examination, do you have any, ask yourself, is there anything that I'm currently angry about? Anything that I'm currently really sad about? Anything I'm worried about? And um, I think those are healthy questions to answer every day. Like, what am I mad, sad, <laughs> glad, worried about? And, and I'm a big fan of journaling. You can't do therapy every day but you can journal. A loss is, is normative. So I think tending to your soul, I think doing the things that fill your soul, I, I think these are just keys for life, but I think especially when there's lots of loss, do those things that fill up your soul, whether it's long walks, it's dinner, you know, conversations with friends. In fact, I'll say this, one of the things that I think has been an unintentional consequence of the pandemic has been social isolation. I think out of fear of a virus, people have distanced themselves from people. 
And I agree, you need to social distance and wear a mask. But I think that it's important that we stay connected to people in this season, to good friends, to have honest conversations. And then I think, I think to examine, you know, when, when you're walking through a difficult situation, you probably heard this before. A lot of times what happens, people, when, they're, when they go through hard situations, they either pull further away from God or draw closer to God. So I think ask yourself, like, how is my relationship with God? Um, not in a religious way, not in a performance orientation. How much scripture am I reading and how many minutes am I praying? But, how you know, am I hearing the voice of God? Am I sensing his spirit's nearness? So I, I think as, as we move forward through this pandemic, I think continuing to tend to your soul. And I think... Um, tending to your, your spiritual life and then just stay connected in community. And I mean like real authentic community to where, you know, somebody you can ugly cry with, you know, somebody you can, you can, you know, the kind of cry when you kind of have some snot, like that kind of cry, you know what I'm saying? Like you just, that's a good sorry. cry. That's a you good gotta, cry. You gotta have <laughs> those people. Cry. You got to have those people in your life that you can be that real and authentic with. I know. Like you're reminding me, some of the comments you've made have just reminded me how I torture Georgia every other week. Um, like just the most random things. I always premise what I'm going to tell her is like, don't, I know you're not going to judge, but I'm just going to say this. And then <laughs> I just go off. <laughs> and I respond with, I just mind, but we'll figure it out together. <laughs> I'm gonna just a little, but then we move through it together. <laughs> that's awesome but it is no the things you've said are just so foundational and it's funny um the first question you asked like how is your soul really mm. i can't find the reference right now but for anybody who's interested in this kind of stuff in um in persian culture mm. so how they ask how are you because we just say you know hey how are you they're literal translation and there's mm. an article i read years back on this is that's the question they ask each other how is your soul mm. you know because there's this because we do have mm. you know, sometimes we have these pleasantries that we just say hey you know mm. how are you okay great and you don't really mm. it's those moments the moments that are so powerful is when maybe somebody says you know what i'm actually not okay because yeah. sometimes we don't feel like we have permission because these are such you know, common pleasantries. Mm. We think we just have to say we're okay even when we're mm. not. And I think it's this season where we can we can alter culture a little bit, where people can be okay. And you always say this, Pastor Jeremy, that it's okay not to be okay. Yeah. And and I think it's in the season where culture can actually we can gain as a church community mm. and as culture to just be really authentic. Mm. Um and even in joy, it's hard to feel joy in a time mm. where there's so much loss. So I think mm. it's just having the permission to do both mm. and be okay with the complexity of this season. Mm. Um, but thank you so much for these pillars. And we just want to say thank you for being with us today on this. Um, we've, I know I've gained a lot. And Georgia, um, I could speak for you, but I won't. Um, <laughs> She's got all the notes. I've got She's notes. <laughs> <laughs> and I will re-listen to this on repeat. <laughs> no, we feel more equipped. And we also hope that you, listening by listening to this episode, feel more equipped um, by just taking this journey with us as we talk about faith and mm. loss. 
Yeah, and I think um, just for, for anyone listening, if you need it, you don't need permission to feel anything. <laughs> but if this is the permission mm. you needed, then I pray that's what we've been able to give you. Mm. And you didn't just hear it from myself and Linda; you heard it from a whole pastor. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and some, so, and some, L and some, exactly. Um, so yeah, so thank you everyone for joining in. This has been incredible. Listen to it once or twice if you need to, um, or and ten Jennifer, times, or ten times, <laughs> however you need. Um, and yeah, we're praying for anyone out there who's going through. We, mm. we all are, but if there are any, any specific losses that anyone has had, we're praying with you we're standing with you mm. we're far away but we are part of that community that mm. um, pastor jeremy talked about so christians all over the world as pastor jeremy said mm. don't forget to pray for each other even for people who you don't know because you don't know how far mm. it might go um so yeah thank you for joining us all and we'll see you in the next episode bye bye